Hello, and welcome to Impacting the Classroom, the podcast that talks about big topics that have an even bigger impact in early education. I'm your host, Marnetta Larimer. So, what's impacting the classroom? Getting started with class in a program can be very challenging when you don't prepare your staff for that transition. Building a strong culture around class that gets educators excited and motivated in their work can help ease that transition and lead to better results. Dr. Mike Jacobs joins us today, Principal and Instructional Leader at Apple Tree Early Learning Public Charter School. You may recognize him from Interact Now, where he recently presented. Hello, Dr. Mike. Hello. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me, Marnetta. <laughs> oh, I am just excited that you were able to make the time. Right? <laughs> I'm very interested in this subject. It's a great time, especially when organization systems are trying to figure out what they're going to do with this new allotment of funds, right? As they're getting class into their systems or building their next level of class in their system. So I think this is going to be a very timely discussion. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump in? Sure. Again, welcome. So glad to be here. Um, I'm Dr. Mike Jacobs. I am a principal in Washington, D.C., serving the most earliest learners, the three and four-year-olds. I'm so happy to be an early childhood educator and advocate uh, for early literacy. So, so glad to be here again. It's a great opportunity. Wonderful. Oh, that was that was shorter than I thought it was going to be. You, look, that was the time. You Look, you could have got all, all the steps. You're just like, mm, straight to the point. This mm-hmm. is what I am. So yeah. <laughs> first of all, I just want to say yay. Right. I'm always excited when I see males in the classroom, but especially in our earliest learning classroom. So thank you for being there and representing and being that inspiration for children in those classrooms. Yeah, I started in the early, in, in kindergarten and I never left pre-K-4 though. is my pride and joy. <laughs> Love it dearly. So it's, it's just been amazing. And I've always wanted to, you know, change the face of the classroom and be that, you know, positive rep- representative for our students. So, you know, I come to work in my sneakers and blazer, <laughs> you know, the kids get to see me in different light. And, and I, I just appreciate that. And they, they learn so much and I'm grateful for just to serve them because it, it is a, it, is a great opportunity. I hear so many classy things happening in how you (laughs) come to work, right? You are wanting to make yourself relatable so that Mm -hmm. children can connect and you can build those relationships. So let's dive into my first question for you. Yeah. How did you build a class culture within your program? So I recognize that people are the greatest asset. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really had to focus on making sure that the people that I'm working with, they know the why they know how to do the just how to set up their classroom and how to build relationships with kids. Right. Because at the very foundation, I remember when I got out of the classroom, my principal said, one thing that you're good at is building relationships. So we're going to make you a dean. <laughs> you're going to be the person to do that, right? But at the very foundation level, if we're able to build those relationships with students, that teacher-to-student interaction is much more positive, right? And I have a motto at my school, safe, happy, and fed. If kids feel safe, if they feel happy and they are fed, all of their needs are met, that's where learning happens, right? Mm-hmm. So foundationally, it starts with our, our people and making sure that they know exactly why. They have a vision, right? So once I started the year, I led with the vision of why this is important and why we need to lead with this. And they, they've they been through the process before, but they've never had an instructional leader who has actually been through the entire process, right? So I was a teacher. I, the, my principals observed me with class. 
you know, I've been on I'm on the admin side now leading with class. So having that lens is also really important as well. So I'm not just going in I'm doing observations with class, right? We're, diff, we're living and breathing this because if you look mm-hmm. at the indicators, they're emotional support, classroom or organization and instructional support, right? So when you think about all of those things, it encompasses the early childhood classroom. Right. Making sure that the, the environment is nurturing is not a negative climate. Right. We focus on students that that regard for student perspective. Right. So that they feel safe. They can come to the classroom and be and talk and be engaging. And the educator in the instructional support, they're the subject matter experts. And here's the thing. We actually have to honor the profession a lot more. Right. Mm-hmm. In a sense of like teachers are subject matter experts. Yes. They are the SMEs, right? So we, I want them to know that and receive that. So the first time I said that they're subject matter experts, they're like, "What? What are you? What are, <laughs> what are you telling me?" Right? But I help them to understand, like they have so much power in their classroom that they are able to change the trajectory of lives, right? So building those higher order thinking questions, making sure that, you know, you pull in that background knowledge, right? All of those things. So when we look at class in itself, like it really hones a foundation around what an early childhood classroom is supposed to look like, sound like, and feel like. So I lead with the people. And another thing that I do is getting to know my staff really well. So I'm not only focusing on building relationships with students, right? Like that's going to come. Like, I love the babies, you know, they'll come jump on my shoulder. Like that's <laughs> that's going to happen, right? But really focusing on the strengths of my staff members bringing them into that process, that planning process with me, because as leaders, sometimes we just think like, oh, we need to think about the plan and just go execute it with, for teachers, right? No, they're a part of my brain and my thinking process so that I'm able to now create that buy-in so that they're like, oh, well, we didn't just make this decision on our own when we made it as a collective and we have a collective responsibility to make sure that all students learn. And I can talk a lot. So you just let me know. Like this great. Right. So you're talking about this parallel process, right. In this culture, you know, those indicators, those behaviors that we see in the class tool and how it mirrors your interactions with your teachers, right. Those adults, to adult interactions. Yes. Um, and that really is key, right? It's the best, <laughs> it's the best space for learning too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you're making sure that their needs are met so that they can do what they need to do. And I think you're just saying so much. So in my mind, when you talk about that SME and, you know, just the shock and awe that they have when you were just like, you're, you're this me. And they're like, what, what? Right. When we talk about, I don't want to use the word damaged, mm-hmm. but just how hurt and impacted teachers mm-hmm. are by things that happen to them and mm-hmm. how it affects their efficacy, right? Like their ability to know that they are capable, able, <laughs> um, right. you know, bodies to, you know, initiate change and do the work. Yeah. I think my heart would have broke if it would, if I would have said that and, you know, I got that reaction. But what, what, you didn't know this? Like, you know, yeah. what happened to you and how do we get this back, right? We can't do this without you. Exactly. So just noticing that, you know, you're instilling that in them and giving them that, yeah. <laughs> right? Because they, they have what they need. They do, yeah. Nobody can do their job. That's why they're there. Right. right? That's why it hurts when they're gone. <laughs> hey, let me tell you. Please don't fall out. Please come to work. Please come. No, 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 come. What can yeah. I do for you? Yeah, right? you know. You're, you're irreplaceable, right. right? And we're feeling that in the field at this moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, we and, you know, the teachers, they have a lot on their plates. And, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you when you come to work, you leave that stuff outside. No, like people need to be able to bring their full selves to work. So and even on a very foundational level, just getting to know them. Hey, how are you? How was your weekend? Mm-hmm. You know, how's your daughter? How like those little moments? Like, even if it's for five seconds, you just connect with someone so that when my day starts, my I go downstairs to my teachers, I greet everyone and, you know, I pop in if I know, if I remember something, somebody told me like, oh, I had a graduation. Oh, I had a, you know, a, a me- I'll, I'll check in on that. Right. Because that, that's a level of accountability for me to be like, OK, you told me you were going to do something. What, what's going on? How's your kid or how how these things are happening? Because they're like, oh, he actually cares about me. I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know how you're doing, because if you're not well as the educator in the room, then students won't be well. And I I had to make that shift because we often say, oh, you know, we're doing this work for the kids. We're doing the work for the kids. Yes. However, the adults are the one that's th- that are working with the students, right? Directly with the students. Because I'm in my office most of the day. You know, I come down, do what I need to do on the, on the ground level and kids know my name. And that's the other thing, too. As a principal, kids need to know your face. They need to know who you are, (laughs) you know? So you got to be able to come down and as a school leader to make sure that it happens. But again, thinking about making sure that I go down and I have those conversations and I lead with that inspirational leadership and empower, you know, those teachers to to be their best selves. Because again, I was going to give an example. I was at happy hour. Just ran, randomly <laughs> being grown, randomly, <laughs> randomly talking to a lady at the bar, and she's a, come to find out she was a lawyer, you know, big lady. Um, and she said to me uh, when I told her I was in education, she was like, "You know, you have to focus on the adults. You have to focus on the people that are underground. Teachers aren't in the trend. Let me tell you, they come out swinging every day, every day. You know, they come out, and it's just like how am." I, as a school leader who set the vision, set the tone, <laughs> set everything, you know, like how am I showing up to support them and making sure that they have everything they need? And I have a, a saying in my building, teachers get whatever they want. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll answer questions later. But if it's to make sure that it's the supporting students, the answer is always yes. You know what I'm saying? Because so many times they're being told no. As an educator, so many times I've been told, nope, you can't do that. Nope, there's a budget for, or there's a system for this, or there's a, no, I want, provide students with opportunities, experiences, and so many things. Because there are a lot of our students, you know, they don't get to to have those experiences. And, you know, last week, Renetta, I did a, a session on early instruction. I love guided reading and early literacy. So one of the, the, the points were, when a child sees a stop sign, they're able to, some students, not all, are able to quickly recognize, oh, the words on that, it says stop, and it has a meaning, right? But think about a child who is constantly riding the bus. They are riding around in a car, and no one says to them, hey, you know what that's th- what that is? That's a stop sign. It means to stop. They wouldn't have any context no. of that, right? So from a program level, we have 11 different units, right? So how are we using class to ensure that the environment is rich, we're providing students with higher order thinking questions, you know, language modeling, you know, quality of feedback, and how are we giving them, providing them information? 
right? Like you can print a stop sign and put it up in, in dramatic play. Like that's a stop sign. And what are you doing? You, you stop, right? So when next time that you're in the car with mommy and daddy or you're riding the bus and the bus stop comes out of stop, oh, like, oh, that means stop making those connections, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but again, as a, if you don't empower teachers to, to think like, oh, I actually know this, right? They have to get out of their head. And yeah. these are things that I communicate with my folks. Like, get out of your head. You you have all that you need. You have all the lived experiences for our students, right? And the more that they come to school and get your brain, oh my God, they're going to be brilliant, right? But I think it's a struggle sometimes because, again, they've been broken so yeah. many times. They've been told no so many times. And it's just like, well, I'm here to build you up. <laughs> and I'm going to, and it's not even so much about building them up to be educators, right? It's building them up to be strong human beings, right? And that a lot of educators, once they leave their education programs or once they get through, you know, they take their praxis, they're not touching a book. Uh, no, no. They'll do that required PD, those required PD hours. Right. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. Right. So then it's just like, well, how are you building yourself? Right. And remember, like I said, that first level is people. Right. So as, as a as an educator, like, how am I feeding you this information that it's bite sized? you know, so that you're able to get it. Because I know once you leave work and you're working with three and four-year-olds, 15, 16, 17, you know, some classrooms have 23 of them, you're going to be tired. So I don't fa- I don't f- fault you for not wanting to to read a book, right? You probably want to go sleep. Heard. But as, as educators, <laughs> that, that part, right? We, we need to be lifelong learners and really believe that and really live that experience. Yeah, again, so much thoughtfulness in your approach to creating this nice class-centric environment and culture in your program. As you were talking about, you know, knowing your people and building those relationships, what a great mirror to, you know, how impactful that is for them to do with children, right? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, there's caring about me and, you know, being able to recite who my husband's you know, is that I have children, et cetera. But the type of questions that you're asking and, you know, revisiting comes from an authentic place, which is a whole different thing, right? That genuine, authentic, like, I care about you. There's no fake in there because you can tell the difference and people arrive differently based on how that approach is, right? So if it's this performative check-in of it's way different than that, the depth. (laughs) in which we're really trying to understand them and get to know them and value them as those human beings. And that translates, as you said, to the work that they're doing with the children in the classroom. Yeah. And, and that's, and thank you for highlighting that. Cause even sometimes I don't make that connection because I'm doing it so naturally. Right. So it's just like, okay, these are the steps that I'm doing, but I know that ultimately it, it, it reaches somewhere and it does something for, you know, the teacher and the student. Yep. Absolutely. So we talked about this class culture, right? And its importance, you know, and how it is, how impactful it is for not only the teachers, but the students. How did you establish this culture and ensure that it's not just around class observations, right? And it's this thing that's just going to happen to them, right? How did you really build this importance of it being bigger than just class observations? Yeah, so... At the beginning of the year, you know, we all have that uh, that PD week <laughs> where we launch, right? So the the 
theme for my school year, and it, uh, since I started at Apple Tree, this has been my theme, Ready, Set, Sail, right? Uh, and there's a book on it, a kid's book, Ready, Set, Sail. So sometimes it's going to be rocky. Sometimes it's going to be smooth sailing. You know, sometimes we're going to be cruising. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are moments when we are going to have to get everybody on the ship, on the top deck. We're going, everybody's going to work, right? And class was one of the indicators where I, it, where I said, this is what this is what we're going to die for. If we're going to do this well, we have to implement it and have to do it well. So they understood on a larger level, like, okay, this is our metric. Like, this is what deems us a qualified institution, and this is what we need. Because sometimes principals don't they don't tell them the real thing. <laughs> you know, they oh, this is just what we have to do. So yeah. why why? Why am I doing something if you're not going to tell me why I'm doing it, right? What, what is the purpose of this, right? So from the foundation level, I gave them the why. I tell them why we're doing this. This is why, right? When I come into your classroom, I want to see good quality education for our babies. Because if they don't have anything else, they can come to school <laughs> and get that from you. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, that's deep. Right. And I think that's one of the things that really drove me in the classroom is just being not either a filler, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a filler of knowledge or, you know, an expander of that knowledge. Right. Just depending on the children that were, you know, coming into the space and what they needed. Yeah. You just never know. And you have to be ready for all of those things. So having that as a metric. Right. And this is just the hill that we're going to die on. This is what we are doing in all things. (laughs) Right. Makes it less painful when it comes to the class observation, because you're doing this stuff naturally every day, all day long. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. When so with that, one of the big rocks was planning. Right. So I set the vision. Ready, set, sail. You know, this is the hill we're going to die on. This is what everybody's looking at when they come. So we're going to be real about it. This is what people are looking for. We want to make sure that we're doing well at this. But then making sure that, you know, they they understand the why, they get it, and they're doing it already in their classrooms, right? Like, I had to convince, like, and give them examples. Like, during your read aloud, that's concept development, right? However, if you're not planning for that read aloud, that's where you fall short, that's where you get the ones and twos, right? <laughs> that scale, right? One through seven, where are we falling on the scale? If you're not planning effective instruction, then you're not going to be able to bring in that background knowledge. Then you're not going to be able to, you know, give that quality feedback because you yourself wasn't prepped and planned and studied enough to make that happen, right? So one of the big rocks, like I said, was planning, making sure that they're internalizing their lessons and really processing like, okay, because from a program level, all of the materials and everything is given to them, right? Right. But for me, I want to see that you are internalizing this stuff. So once a week, they send me lesson plans. And in those lesson plans, I want to see misconceptions. And... They were sick. When I take, they was they were like, <laughs> but they but they saw the benefit of it, right? Because then they were like, oh, I I was able to answer a question right away because I thought about that student in my planning, so I knew he was going to ask me something like this, <laughs> and here's what's here, here's the response. So we're thinking about those misconceptions 
and the responses to those misconceptions, right? Because don't stop. We, you know, we often stop. Oh, what is a misconception, right? No, I want you to think about an answer and think about a student in your classroom. You're like, hmm, you know what? Little Johnny's going to ask this question. And guess what? I'm going to be ready for him when he asks. Right. You right. know? And that's the, that's the next layer of planning that, you know, I want teachers to be able to embody all the time so that when they get in front of challenges or, and even still, then if and no misconceptions come up, they can bring up a misconception, right? Like, you know what? I used to have a teacher, she used to do, you know, I ha- I'm going to make an error. I'm going to make, I- I'm going to make, I'm going to make an error because guess what? In this classroom, it's a safe place to make errors. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that, that's that emotional. That's that emotional support, right? Kids feel safe to talk to the teacher and make errors. Yep. They'll raise their hand and you know and share something. And if it's not right, the teacher is not going to say, "Oh, that's, that was horrible. You shouldn't." You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Let's talk about that, right? Yes. Let's let's engage. What, who who can help a friend and then circle back to that friend, right? Good teaching strategies because we right. need we, we need those, right? And making sure that we hold kids accountable to their learning too, right? So that yeah. planning piece from a program level is important because then you're able to tie in those pieces to class. So one of the things that I did, Marnetta, was I separated my cohorts, right? So I did lead teachers okay. and TAs. Right, separated them because what I realized, the TAs were drowned under the lead teachers. They won't say much in PD when I do them together. Right? Oh, no. like, no. like, what is going on? Because again, they don't feel that value, right? They don't feel <laughs> they have anything to bring to the table. Right. And it's almost like a deflection of responsibility, right? You deal with right. that. <laughs> guess guess what? Not in this building, right? <laughs> Not we in my together. <laughs> right? So it's just like I separated them. I give the lead teachers what they need. And I create a scope and sequence for the TAs. When I tell you it was the most powerful thing that I could have done in my leadership practice, because I had TAs now getting up, practicing, looking at, you know, standards, like, okay, what is the standard for this? Oh, here's the question I can ask to support this standard. Right. Then in the practice, I'm giving them feedback. Their peers are giving them feedback. It was a safe little incubator where they can be their full self and they can learn something. And no one like when I say everybody participated and everybody was like, all right, all right, let me. But they also get to see their peers doing the same thing because sometimes they don't get to see that. Right. They don't get to see what other people are doing in their classroom. But they're like, oh, I like how you did that. All right. I'm going to do that, too. Right. Or I'm going to I'm going to put that in my toolbox because teaching, teaching assistants also lead, need their toolbox filled as well. Right? They do. They do. Because their interactions matter as well. Right. And that's oftentimes what classrooms are missing. We're so focused on the lead teacher. We forget like there's another person in here with in like with these individuals. Right. Who should be doing the same thing. Where's that disconnect? <laughs> exactly. And I say this all the time. I said, Everybody carries a load for class. I not just one person. So guess what? The TA better be leading morning meeting or doing a read aloud. Right? It's no games. Everybody does it. And if the score doesn't reflect well, then that tells me that there's some more instruction that needs to happen so that we can build this person up, right? Because it gets stressful for the lead teacher to have to carry the load. 
right? Yeah. All day, all oh, for really? that whole observation time. Like with class, you know how intensive and in, <laughs> intentional. Yeah. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah, like can, can you say something, please? You know, like and but again, that's where we built that collective responsibility in the beginning. Everybody knew that they had a part to play, you know, on this ship. When we're on this class ship, this is what we're going to do. Like everybody does it. So being clear with that. And they knew when the day was coming, I was like, all right. And I, they showed me their plans, they, what we're going to do. And also, you know, they were stressed out. Uh, my team was stressed out a little bit around just like, you know, how are we going to do? And I'm just like, you're fine. Like, do the things that you do all the time. Mm-hmm. And trusting them to do that. Because what, I, what I've experienced is that, you know, school leaders prep, prep, prep for, for, for that specific day. No, I'm not doing that. What I'm going to do is start from August. Right. And, you know, infuse PD. So one of the things that I talked about during the Interact Conference was providing that PLC and PD. So similar to, you know, the PD that I did with the TAs and the lead teachers, providing them with that PD, right? 30-minute bite size, quick. Because we know adult learners, our attention span is, is mm-hmm. real short, right? <laughs> so we can't, we're not going to sit in a two-hour PD and you think you're going to get a whole lot of stuff done, right? Quick, 20, 30-minute PD. You get direct instruction. You get to practice. You get to, I, I model it because I want you, I want you to know how I want to see it done. Then you you get to practice. You get to put your own spin on it. I, we give you some feedback and then I send you on your way, right? Quick, bite-sized, and it's not overwhelmingly like, oh my God, we got to go sit in this PD today, right? right. Because they right. know they're coming out with with something that's going to be beneficial to them. So that was a re- that was key to making sure that throughout the year there's a good scope and sequence. So from a program level, once we got back our scores from last year, we looked at, you know, I looked at all the um the classrooms and said, "Hmm, where were we low? How can we get better?" Right? So one of the the indicators was regard for student perspective. Right. Realize like, okay, everybody is either in the low mid range, mid range for regard for student perspective. We can't have that. Right. What can we do to boost these scores? So PD was surrounded around regard for student perspective and in the, and those indicators underneath regard for student perspective. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And you know what was powerful? Tell you a secret. Ready. There are different indicators on the class where they come to observe, right? So morning meeting, read aloud, snack time, so forth. What we looked at is how can these varying indicators show up in the different components of the day? Absolutely. Because you will you will get really high in morning meeting for certain things, but then when snack time comes, it's looking like, okay, what's going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's looking real low. But what we sat down and had conversations about this, this, this was the sessions with my lead teachers. Hey, what does this look like during snack time? What does this look like during recess? Because some observers, they, they observe during recess. Meal time in the morning, breakfast, because they start when students come in. What does this look like? They're like, oh, we can do this. So now their wheels start to turn because they're understanding like, oh, man, I, we didn't have too much too much conversation during mealtime. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that could maybe be why you're low in certain areas because you weren't talking to the children. Please talk to the children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Please talk. Yes, we know that they're eating, but you can also teach them to chew their food and talk. Right. <laughs> right. We do it all the time. It's called when we go to happy hour, we eat weed and <laughs> Right. So again, that was just really helpful for them to see, but but leaders aren't doing that work with them. Right? We have to sit down with our educators and go through it with a fine-tooth comb, like, hmm, what did you do during this time? Oh, maybe you should try that, right? Ah, have you thought about doing a, a science lesson? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. Maybe you might want to pull on that because that can get some inquiry going on, right? Mm-hmm. That can pull, Absolutely. you know, like really being intentional with with the, the planning pieces of just the strategic of, about being, you know, prepared for not only that day, but throughout the throughout the year. But you have we have to start early. We have to start in the beginning and lead with that. So like I said, PD started. Yeah, in the beginning of September, and we went all the way through, and I created a scoping sequence based on where the indicators were low to do that. Because another thing is, when kids are in centers, the TAs are the ones, you know, circling and, you know, making sure that students are on task. But are you asking higher order thinking questions or are you just, you know, hey, are you okay? (laughs) You making a pizza? All right. Next to the box center. Hey, hey, listen, like what? Talk to the ask them questions, right? And a quick hack. When you're planning for the unit, put your questions up for the unit because the, the curriculum provides some questions, right? You don't have to go thinking and looking for certain things. There's already there, right? right. Use your resources, use what you have. So put it up in your center because it's if you don't use it, another adult who's coming into the room would also right. use it. The level of planning and intentionality with class just has to be, you know, on par because if if you don't use it almost, it's like low level, right? Very, very low level, very just, you know, subpar, you know, kids just coming to school, right? But when we look at it through the lens of class, it's that high level, higher order, you know, just it's just it feels classy, right? <laughs> it feels good to be in a, a, a rich environment where you know students are learning they're engaged they can use their the language i love going into classroom and kids are able to tell me yeah we're learning about rectangular prisms well yeah (laughs) teachers feel successful right because you know so we were talking about these observations and in what you were talking about and just practicing and you know massaging that class muscle all year long right it's now a habit and so it's second nature. I don't have to think about it when someone comes to observe because we've been doing this. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's it's not a, another thing. It's just something that's happening that, that day. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just thinking about teacher habits, right? Like I think we are struggling now to come back to a sense of normal with our yeah. teacher habits with, you know, coming out of the pandemic, like, like, oh yeah, we used to do that. Oh yeah. We need you to bring it back. Right. We need you to do yeah do that again, right? Or like figure out how we can even magnify it, right? Because what I don't like, especially for certain things like letter of the week, right? Please don't sit on the carpet and tell the kids, oh, our letter of the week is A, baby. If you don't put something, <laughs> put something in a bag and shake right. it up, you know. I'm, I'm bored, right? <laughs> I'm bored, right? You put, you put their hand in something, you know, so because 
what I learned is that students learn more when they're happy, when they're all of their senses are engaged, right? So the more that we hype something up and, you know, they'll learn it. Even when I was an educator and in in the classroom teaching, I used to take my shoes off, got the little funny socks on. I'm like, oh my God, you take your shoes off? Yep, because when I take my shoes off, y'all know it's learning time, right? (laughs) Circle and I hold this book up and I tell him, you know what? I love to read. I love to read. And I want you to love to read too. And they're sitting on in their carpet seats, like, "Oh my god, you about to read this book?" (laughs) Like that level. They know you're getting ready to um, alter the voices, right? You're getting ready to modulate. They they know it's going to be fun. They know it's coming. Oh my goodness, Uh, this time has gone by so fast. I have so many things left. Hold on. All right. So we talked a lot about you know how a little bit on how you get teachers to be motivated right? And use class under, you know, you focus them on the why. What are your tips on burnout? Mm. That's a good one. I believe that point of connection from the beginning around just that relationship and acknowledging, like, como se dice, remove the toxic positivity. Mm. You know, removing that because yeah. the real thing. You, I don't expect you to. I want to humanize you, right? I don't expect you to just brush everything under the carpet and then show right. up to work like everything is okay. No, I acknowledge like, ooh, that was hard. Yeah. That's difficult to deal with, right? Yes, I like burnout is real. What like, how can I support you with that, right? Like. Or is there room in the schedule where I can let you leave early? Is there a room where I can maybe cut down the staff meeting so I can let you go, right? Is there a point where I can say, you know what, we're fully covered today, you know, take a late start, right? Or, you know, really get, just also asking them, what do you need? Because a lot of teachers, they don't want the gifts. They don't care about the, you know, all of the those things. Please let me go home. I want to go lay down or I want to go. I want to be social. I want to do something. Right. Because we get into the system of forcing adults to do things they don't want to do. <laughs> we can't do that because then we're fo- we're even forcing them to even more be more burnt out. Right. Right. So and disconnected how- and right. <laughs> yeah. So how I, am I as a school leader create a pact with my team like if you need something please let me know right if you need if you have an appointment that you need to run to please let me and we'll we'll figure it out because what I don't want to do is for you not to be like not being able to go get to an appointment or drop your car off to the dealership or you know different things like it can be stressful right very much especially in a in a role that is during regular business hours yeah right? You know, so as a program lead, as a leader, like, okay, what can I do to make sure that you get what you need? And it may be unconventional, right? It may not be something that you tell everybody, honestly, in in, in your network, right? It's just between this is my building, this is what we're going to do here to support the vision and mission of the work that we have to do because I need you all to be well people first, right? But that also lends itself. That's a, a classy principle, right? Yep. That's that genuine, authentic, right? Organic caring that you were yep. talking about and humanizing them and just, 
you know, what you're doing is a role, but you're a person first, right? Yeah. And in order for you to be effective in that role, right, you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm going to need you to take care of your cup. What common barriers? You know, we've heard a lot. I've heard so much wonderful ideas coming from you, right? And creating this classy culture that's just, you know, organic and is just, you know, it is what it is, right? This is how we're going to arrive. This is the goal, right? And this is where we are planting our flag, right? This is what we are doing. What are some common barriers that program leaders can expect if they wanted to try to do that same type of implementation? It starts with the leader. Mm. <laughs> that that emotional intelligence with me first. It's it, it it you have to to know you have to know you, and know your position in leadership, right? Like some people are transactional leaders, some people are inspirational leaders, some people are you know there, there's so many different types of leaders, but at the core of who you are, you recognize that you are leading and serving people. And that's important. So if your day-to-day is to micromanage everybody and make everybody feel like crap or like, you know, it's just not going to work well for you, right? There's a different level of leadership that that comes with honoring the, the people that you work with. But a barrier could also be from this perspective, accountability. It's hard to hold people accountable when life happens. Yeah. <laughs> right? Life is hard for folks. So you have this expectation and sometimes folks are unable to meet that expectation, right? So hold this false sense of accountability. Like, you have to do this, you have to do it. You know, it, it, it becomes challenging to hold folks accountable. But I think from the foundation level, if you are able, everyone gets something different in my building, right? I do not treat all of my staff members the same. Because they're different people. They're different people. It can get you in trouble because they, they'll, they'll talk about it. They'll be like, oh, well, he did this. Well, he knew that for me. Well, yeah, well, hopefully he, they understand that right. you're being intentionally individualized, right? Like <laughs> you're, yeah. you're individualizing based off what you know about them and what they need because they yeah. and they all need it at different times or in a different way. So, And I think another a barrier would be just that communicating. And mm-hmm. a lot of leaders don't know class well, right? So they don't know how to look at the indicators and they just know the scores and they don't, but being that I've gone through the entire, I've, I've taught with it, now leading with it, like I, I give observations and do those things and being class certified, like I can get real with my educators and say, hey, this is what I need you to do. Or what do you think you need to do? Here's the indicator. How do you think this looks like? And what, what do you think this looks like in morning meeting? What do you think this looks like? And bringing them into that conversation, right? But I think we have a, a lot of leaders from the top down telling people what to do and they've never experienced it. And that's a challenge, right? So you have to be able to communicate like, hey, I don't know exactly what that is. Let me Google it. That's real. So there's some things, I don't know everything about class, but if I need to know something, I'm going to try to figure it out because the Teachstone website has lots of great resources that I've pulled from, <laughs> right? Let me <laughs> let me pick that up on here, right? You use that Teachstone website. It, it's helpful. It has stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, we can use. So I think lastly, the process, right? We have to figure out a good process. So knowing the scores, making sure that you pick your focus. I think we talked a little bit about it. And I used, I observed in two week cycles. We 
develop these long six, nine week cycles. Folks get folks even forget what they're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? So pick your focus and observe in two week cycles because sometimes principals, they want to look at the whole big thing and then go in and give all this feedback. It's not going to be helpful, right. right? That's a barrier too, like not being able to know specifically what to hone in on. Then, so you hone, find something to hone in on, you pick your two week cycle, observe your teachers with that intention and give them that feedback, right? And I've gotten to the place in my building where I can give you in the moment feedback. Oh, can you do that again? <laughs> can we? Can, can, can you ask that question again? Or can we do a turn and talk right here? This will be a great place for them. And they'll be like, okay, cool. Let me buy, right? Again, relationships. If you don't yeah. have that, if you don't have the relationships, you can't, you can't, you can't navigate your building in a way that will deem these results. And there are a lot of people doing crazy things out there, you know, thinking that they're supporting teachers and they're not, and they're not getting the results. I appreciate that. I also love, first of all, thanks for the plug for the teacher on website. We do rock have all the things that you need there. But you said something key too, right? Because of your journey, you also are a resource and you've built this credibility with your team because you have you are an observer. You've learned about it, right? And so you speak from a place of knowledge. And, you know, I do know oftentimes, you know, sometimes when we get into those higher levels, you know, you're talking at a high level, but they can't really get into the weeds of what they can tell you because they don't really know because they haven't gone through that process so that they have the information to be able to spot pivot (laughs) in a a classroom and things like that. Before we go, last thing I want to ask. So we've talked about this and I want people to have an understanding of what your group looks like. So if you could tell us, you know, how many teachers, coaches, students, like tell us about your campus and the amount of people that you're, you're supporting this work with. Awesome. So I have a team of 23 that includes lead teachers, uh, TAs, and a, we have um, edu extended day staff. So they're also in my classrooms, and I work with them to make sure that they're familiar with the process of class and how to ask those higher thinking questions. How to do, so everyone gets something, right? <laughs> everyone gets something. So I do also have an implementation specialist with the Apple Tree Institute who comes in and observes teachers using the class lens. And um, I have about 100 or so kids in my class in my school with six classrooms, three and four-year-olds. Wonderful. Thank you so much, because three and fours rock. Thank you so much for that. (laughs) This was amazing, and the time flew by so fast. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. And listen, I would love to to talk again, and like, listen, we can go. (laughs) Uh, Just again. Maybe yeah. a happy hour, a virtual happy hour. Maybe yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. You can find today's episode and transcript on our website, teachstone.com slash podcast. And as always, behind great leading and teaching are powerful interactions. Let's build that culture together. You are amazing. Thank you. You're so great.